0: Welcome to the CNT podcast. I'm Naomi McAlindon, and I'm the Clinical and Custom Content Editor. Today, I'm going to be speaking to Mike Hietzen, who is an independent contractor based in Dorset. I spoke to Mike about patients presenting in the pharmacy with different dermatology problems, and we discussed how the role of the pharmacy team has changed over the last year, especially during COVID-19, where patients have struggled to get face-to-face appointments with their GPs, so pharmacy staff are now the first point of call. First of all, I asked Mike about his recent experiences and the most common skin problems he's seen recently in the pharmacy. This is what he had to say.
1: Well, about 18 months ago before COVID, the world was very different. But since COVID, to be honest, I've seen anything and everything in that time. So to give you a flavour, last week, I'm not exaggerating here, I saw around about 50 patients for skin problems. And that's everything from shingles through to potential skin cancers, infected rashes, poorly treated eczema. It's a massive variety of different skin problems coming into pharmacy right now. I think the thing I've sort of noticed most since COVID is that people are actively presenting to pharmacies because they can't get in to see the GP or the GP's changed their access requirements. So a lot of GPs now will want an e-consult prior to making a, an appointment for a patient. In our world, uh, where I've got a lot of people over the age of 80 who come into the pharmacy regularly, they've just wanted somebody to help look at a rash or a, or a lesion or a problem. They don't necessarily have the technology or want to engage in sending pictures along to the GP for the GP to assess they sort of want to eyeball someone so to be honest I'm seeing anything and everything right now nothing surprises me um, when it comes to the different types of complaints we're seeing and that's why I think community pharmacy has really come into its own in this dermatology space over the last 12 months particularly from my point of view I've been doing my uh, independent prescribing um, for the last uh, six months or so and the dermatology has been a really central part of that so for me Yes, I can see and potentially diagnose a patient with you know, an infected insect bite or impetigo, but the frustrating thing before was whatever I did, we'd end up having to refer back to the GP, which is just frustrating as a patient journey because um, they could have cut us out in the first place and just gone straight to the GP. Whereas post NMP, what we'll be able to do is offer that sort of end-to-end treatment. So being able to diagnose and to help the patient immediately with the treatment so it's a, a sort of one-stop shop for most minor and self-limiting skin conditions so that's sort of the broad range of of what we're seeing in in the pharmacy these days but honestly uh, you know I could see something tomorrow that I've not seen before that is the amazing variety of community pharmacy but also the challenge that faces us and I think with skin, it's okay to admit when you don't know something and it's better for everyone if you don't just try and have a go because you're pretty sure you, you know what you're, you're treating because you know, if you end up treating a potential melanoma with some hydrocortisone, that's not going to be a happy ending for anyone. So we've got to recognise the limits of our uh, sort of scope of practice but also push the boundaries a bit. So we are being expected to see more and more different patients right now And I I guess in the NHS more widely, um, actually dermatology services are struggling quite a lot at the minute. We know that there aren't enough dermatologists to go around. We know that there's a vast number of people who have put off going to see the GP or who haven't engaged in health services actively over the last 12 months. And what that's meant is that there are a huge number of undiagnosed skin cancers out there. There are a huge number of um, conditions which have got worse uh, in that time, or they presented in that time, which do need um, do need to be um, treated. So, I guess from my perspective, anything that I can do as a pharmacist which plays into improving the the journey for patients the better really.
0: So obviously you're seeing a lot more patients now because of COVID, but that is because they haven't been able to go and see the GP. But have you recognised any patients coming in as a result of maybe having long COVID and skin conditions? Just wondering if that's something
1: you've seen as well. I'm not sure if I've seen patients coming in with any long COVID related issues, but I tell you what I'm seeing a lot of, and that's mask related problems. So you know, people having, uh, for example, contact dermatitis um, to their face masks, People who are having facial fungal infections because they, they're wearing their masks for a prolonged periods of time and they're nice, warm, moist environments for fungal infections to proliferate in. So we're definitely seeing COVID related skin problems in the pharmacy, but maybe not the, the sort of obvious ones that would, um, would spring to mind.
0: Just to kind of touch briefly on some of the maybe more common conditions that you've seen, what kind of treatment recommendations would you give for, you know, just maybe a few of the more common ones that you've seen recently?
1: So I think the main thing to sort of watch out for are infections. So in particular, we see an awful lot of infected insect bites in our part of the world, um, whether that's horse flies or potentially things like tick bites. So watching out for the systemic signs of of infection, so people running fevers, people with um, sort of joint pain or sort of maybe feeling tired, lethargic, weight loss. Those those are sort of systemic signs of of infection, um, which we need to be sort of aware of. I guess the main sort of treatment options we'd have here... So for an infected insect bites, we'd normally end up referring back to the GP for, for example, um, may require a course of uh, flucloxacillin. But I think trying to differentiate between normal allergic reactions to a bite and the secondary infections, which can sometimes come along, are, is, is quite an important thing for pharmacists to be able to to recognise. So, you know, being able to, um, to differentiate between um, the sort of wider cellulitis and the allergic response is really important so how do you do that so again things like heat um, which can be a sign of infection or inflammation things like a area of spreading redness out from the site um, that that's a sign uh, of more widespread problems pus or discharge again things to watch out for so In terms of treatment there, I mean, the frustrating bit, as I said uh, earlier, is actually the need to refer back to to GPs when you can accurately diagnose the problem and you know what the treatment is. So that's why I've chosen to fulfil the independent prescribing qualification, because I I can see a way of helping patients um, to get access to treatment more easily and hopefully helping to avoid the need for a GP appointment wherever possible.
0: And do you think there's any skin conditions that are, are more prevalent in certain population groups that, you know, pharmacy teams should look out for?
1: Uh, yeah. So obviously patients with Fitzpatrick type one and two skins. So this is the sort of very pale skin that doesn't tan when you um, you go in the sun. So you might, may burn, may have fair hair and the sort of stereotypical Red headed, pale skin, these patient groups are actually at, at a higher risk of things like skin cancer. So we need to be vigilant for um, signs of malignant lesions in those those sorts of patients. So, you know, if patients have got more than 50 moles across their body, then they're at a higher risk as well. If they've got a family history, they're at a higher risk. If they've had prolonged uh, sun exposure, they're, they're at a higher risk. So, um, I, I think um it's very worth reminding people of that particularly in the south of england where we've got some of the highest rates of skin (laughs) cancer in the country worth reminding people that it isn't necessarily the first group that you would think of when it comes to specific groups but it's definitely one that that we need to to be aware of when we're seeing those patients and you know skin cancers melanomas don't necessarily have to be be brown they can be all sorts of different colors um pink because in Fitzpatrick type one skin patients make pheomelanin rather than uh, eumelanin, which is brown, and they make pink melanin essentially. So their lesions may look different to um, the lesions in in somebody with um, darker skin types. Um, so that's, that's definitely one to watch out for. I guess other um, specific populations. I mean, you get different distributions of um, diseases across uh, across the ages. So, for example, with with is a bacterial skin infection you would quite often see children under school age being um, one of the main sort of at-risk groups there but again it's important to try and differentiate between the bullous form which is sort of blisters um, than the non-bullous form of impetigo which you know may be more safely treated in the pharmacy for example um, NICE change their treatment recommendations. I think it was about last January or February to actually not recommend topical antibiotics first line for patients with impetigo. They recommend um, the use of topical hydrogen peroxide cream, crystalline, which is a 5% Hydrogen peroxide, which is available over the counter, fiendishly expensive. It's about twenty quid a tube, but um, it uh, can avoid the need for a trip to the um, to the GP and allows pharmacists to have a slightly wider scope of practice in helping to treat the non-bullous form of of impetigo, for example.
0: And are there any conditions that would maybe present more commonly in elderly patients or in in like maybe babies as well?
1: Yeah, so uh, there are definitely lots of different skin conditions. There's so many to name them. But uh, for example, in neonates, we need to be really careful. Um, So babies under one month age, we need to be quite careful with the skin rashes in particular because you can, for example, end up with some sexually transmitted infections passed on from mother to baby during a normal vaginal delivery. So you can end up with young patients with things like Neisseria and gonorrhea, and sometimes things like chlamydia as well. So I, I definitely wouldn't be trying to treat patients under the age of one month postpartum just to make sure that those were being referred back appropriately to, to the GP, because that can require specialist treatment from dermatologists or from the pediatrician. So very mindful of that. In older patients, uh, watching out for things like autoimmune conditions are quite important. So, you know, whether that's things like lupus and the skin cancers themselves are are more prevalent as, as people get older. So I think... Being mindful that, you know, a lesion in a, you know, over 70 year old patient with a history of sun exposure, we ought to be very careful in how we we treat that particular group, because we may need to refer them on and we may need to refer them on fairly quickly if it's getting some warning signs or red flags.
0: You did mention signs of different skin cancers and maybe some systemic symptoms. Are there anything else that, you know, if a patient came into you would think, God, I need to to refer them immediately, this is a red flag?
1: We talked about signs of systemic illness earlier on, but I think the main things are taking a full and accurate history from the patient. So we've got to go into a fair amount of detail. I think one of the things we've always struggled with in the pharmacy is we were trained with the sort of two-wham approach, which is just not sufficient these days to um, to take a, a proper structured history from a patient. Neither can we necessarily do that on the counter. Um, so a couple of things that I've picked up throughout my recent training are that you know things like rashes are really difficult you know and that's coming from a consultant dermatologist and not just one you know I, i'm told frequently from from dermatologists that rashes are difficult and i think it's easy for us as, as pharmacists because we see a lot of them for people to sort of dismiss it oh, is it just a simple rash actually you know you have to delve into a reasonable amount of detail to exclude other issues or the problems so from my point of view, you know, you actually do need to take them into the consultation room. You do need to have quite a long chat about that. And One of the problems we've got in pharmacy is that nowhere are we remunerated for for that time or that care. So from my point of view, I do it because I'm interested in it and I want to do it. I don't necessarily do it because I'm paid to do it or necessarily rewarded for the input that we have with the patient. So had a patient present a couple of weeks ago with a lesion on her nose. She wanted to buy some form of concealer to cover it up. Her granddaughter was getting married at the weekend, took her into the consultation room uh, and spent about half an hour with her asking her various questions and actually imaged the lesion using a dermatoscope, which is a, essentially it's a magnifying glass with lights attached, which can either be an LED light or a polarizing um, LED light, which, helps you to see different structures within the skin. And in doing that, I was able to identify a basal cell carcinoma, which the patient had for a year and was able to make an appropriate referral there. Now I was doing that um, in conjunction with my consultant dermatologist, who is my designated medical practitioner under my non-medical prescribing course. But actually this lesion had gone undiagnosed for over a year. And it was only by taking the time to sit down with her to take the full history, to conduct a proper examination, that we were able to accurately diagnose what had gone on. And I think from where I was maybe 10 months ago, you know, I probably wouldn't have spotted that. Now, I'm not expecting necessarily every pharmacist to be able to to do that, but we do need to be mindful that we have got an important role in triaging some of these patients who particularly for older people who may have put off going to see the doctor because um, they're worried about COVID or because the access arrangements are different. We have got a really important role as the front door to NHS care there that I'm quite keen that we can all play a role in helping to, um, to direct these patients to the most appropriate source of care.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, obviously, as you said, you know, it's is very busy and pharmacy staff are under a lot of pressure at the minute. But it's really important that you shows to take the time to have a proper consultation with the patient and just, you know, give that time to ask some questions and find out a bit more about them. And even if we're not necessarily qualified to make a diagnosis at the time, then we can point them in the right direction for, for proper care.
1: Absolutely. You know, you have to think. You know, what would happen if I wasn't there? Um, so, if I wasn't there, would the patient have carried on not doing anything? Um, would they have gone and see the GP eventually? Um, in any of in any of the answers to those questions, uh, I, I'm confident that my uh, pharmacy colleagues will uh, be able to um, know when something feels off, and they will make appropriate referrals accordingly.
0: Skin conditions can be quite distressing for patients. They might, you know, feel that, that, you know, they're being affected aesthetically. What kind of advice can you give patients, you know, to kind of reassure them? Or, you know, have you had any experiences uh, recently with patients with any kind of skin conditions that have presented in the pharmacy?
1: Yeah, so there's there's a really strong link between mental health and dermatology problems. So having uh, sat in with colleagues during my NMP training, Actually, you can see that physically uh, in patients who may be having acute flare ups of, of their condition um, and their, their mental health can really suffer as a result of that. So, you know, I, I definitely see that all the time. So, um, one of the things to, to say is actually if we can get to the root cause of the problem, which is to try and uh, make sure that this skin condition is is treated appropriately um, and uh, effectively, um, then we can help to make a massive difference to patients' lives. So, you know whether it's something like acne in younger people, which can have a really debilitating impact on their, their mental health. In some respects, mask wearing has been helpful for the self esteem of some patients in that group because they've been able to maybe not feel as self-conscious about it but for others um the sort of mask wearing has exacerbated their conditions and made it worse so i think knowing when to sort of intervene and when to refer is really important in this respect but certainly um, we should be asking patients about their mental health when they're dealing with chronic skin conditions because there is a really nasty, vicious cycle um, in there. And if we're not careful, patients can really suffer as a result of, of that um, spiral. Likewise, at the other end of the spectrum, you know, where you have got people with physical features that they aren't happy with that can also have an impact on their mental health. So you mentioned aesthetics, and actually, it can help to provide aesthetic treatment. It's not something I do at the moment, but I know there are many colleagues around the country who are providing aesthetic services. Um, It can help to improve the self-confidence and the mental health of patients at the other end of the spectrum, where it may not be necessarily a medical problem, but it may become a self-esteem or a, uh, a confidence issue.
0: And finally, Mike, I just wanted to ask, what advice would you give pharmacists who'd like to improve their knowledge of dermatology?
1: Yeah, I I guess one thing thing I sort of would like to add is that I found the the dermatology to be really rewarding over the last nine months that that I've been sort of more actively engaged with it. Um, There are a variety of of different courses that people can do. I know Medway do a skills for dermatology module for pharmacists. So you can go on, I I think it's a small fee, uh, maybe a hundred hundred and fifty pounds something like that where people can go and um, they can enroll in in a short dermatology course which will help to improve their confidence skills and knowledge Um, and there are further training opportunities available so i've actually taken quite a lot of advantage of free training that's available so the Center for Evidence-Based Dermatology, based at the University of Nottingham, recently ran an excellent webinar on pediatric atopic eczema, um, which was really, really helpful, um, and um, that was free, um, so uh, you know, open to everyone. Um, so definitely worthwhile keeping an eye on their website, Twitter feed, etc., to see if they're running any events. I've also been lucky enough to participate in a series of webinars uh, hosted by Fontas Health. So Fontas, the people that make Aproderm um, and the Apro range of uh, products. Um, and that's been really, really um, valuable. And that's been looking at dermatoscopy, which is uh, sort of the, the microscopic study of, uh, of the skin structure. Um, and that's been really helpful to me. I'm not necessarily saying that... All pharmacists need an in-depth knowledge of that. But uh, if you're interested, um, keep an eye out for that. It's a really good series. Um, there's also um, some really good websites out there which people can look at. So um, the Primary Care Dermatology Society, uh, which uh, I'm now a member of, um, has some great resources um, which can help pharmacists to um, to follow evidence-based recommendations when making skincare diagnosis. So that's definitely one to to have a look at. And they've got some really good tools on that website to, to work through. Uh, other thing is the British Association of Dermatologists um, has uh, a website with lots of patient materials on there, which can be helpful. And I'm actually looking at um, studying a dermatology diploma in the next 12 months. So there's loads of, of good resources out there for pharmacists. If you are interested in in skin, there's a massive market in terms of patients who who want help and advice. Um, There's loads of opportunity for us to use our skills and our position within the healthcare team and the community to make a massive impact in dermatology. And I I can't recommend it highly enough to anyone that's vaguely interested in this space. It's really rewarding. You can add lots of value to the patient journey. You can build good clinical relationships with your local practices, um, your patients. So I've had patients come back in uh, who've had an initial um, consultation um, and they've come back in and they've um, they, they've been able to um, to sort of give us good feedback they've referred people in themselves uh, friends relatives neighbors who've had skin problems so um, there's good word of mouth as well so i really would recommend it we're actually thinking about charging for these sorts of appointments so we can do it properly now. Once my NMP qualification has been annotated on the the GPHC register, we're looking at, at other um, sort of uh, clinics we might be able to run to help patients to get earlier access to treatment and be able to come in and talk to us about a wide range of, of skin problems. So loads of opportunity, loads of exciting things um, to talk about. I mean, we're looking at all sorts of things at the minute to include things like artificial intelligence to help diagnose things like skin changes, mole mapping, etc. So, you know, there's loads of opportunity out there to think differently and to help reinvent dermatology, I would say. So yeah, I'd, I'd really highly recommend it to everyone.
0: That was Mike Hewitson, independent contractor based in Dorset. We spoke about the role of the pharmacy team in different skin consultations, how to spot red flag symptoms, and what advice we should be giving patients presenting in the pharmacy. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to CND Podcasts on SoundCloud or your preferred app. Thank you for listening.